Welcome to worship on this beautiful June morning, first Sunday of June, and as we celebrate the Pentecost season, let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. Holy God, we are not worthy to enter into your house. Only speak your saving word, that you may find faith in us when Christ returns in glory. Amen. help is in the name of the Lord who created heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus Christ calls us to peace. The peace of Christ be with you and also with you. Please join me in your bulletin for the call to worship where we are using words from Psalm 96. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before God all the earth. Highest heavens, be glad. Widest earth, rejoice. Mighty waters, shout your praise. Forests and fields, sing for joy. The Lord is coming to judge the earth with equity and strength, with righteousness and truth. The Lord is coming to judge the earth The Lord is coming to reign in glory. Come, let us worship the Lord. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we propose to celebrate together with the help of God the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this Lord's Day morning. We come to the table to commune with our Lord and we come in awe and reverence for the place where we stand is holy ground. Here the Lord offers to us the manna of life. If we are to experience the celebration with our Lord and be nourished by the Spirit, let us examine ourselves first, then eat the bread and drink from the cup. The benefit is great if with penitent hearts and living faith we receive the Lord's Supper. Let us acknowledge our sin before our merciful God with full intention of amending our lives. Let us make restitution for all injuries and wrongs done to others. Let us forgive those who have offended us as we ourselves have been forgiven. All children of the covenant, be reconciled with one another and then come joyfully to the banquet so that you may experience assurance of God's pardon and strengthening of your faith. Let us pray together. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. 
This is the gospel, the good news we have received, that our Lord Jesus Christ loves us and gave his life to set us free from our sins. Hear the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. We are called to faithful living with words of the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not testify falsely against your neighbor. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. O Lord, by the gift of your Holy Spirit, let us hear the good news of the gospel. Words not of human origin, but a message of grace revealed to us through Jesus Christ, your word, made flesh. Amen. Our first scripture lesson comes to us from 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 39. Bit of a long story that needs a little preface. Elijah is facing King Ahab, who is an evil king. He is following false gods and allowing the worship of foreign gods in Israel. And Israel is presently, at the time of this writing, in a famine, i.e. a drought. There is not enough food, similar to what we're experiencing in the United States right now in the Midwest. There is, the land is dry, there is no food left in the in the granaries, and people are suffering. Elijah goes to Ahab and accuses him and his wickedness for this plight on Israel. And Ahab is very upset and decides that Elijah better put up or shut up. And so we begin in verse 20. So Ahab sent to all the Israelites and assembled the prophets at Mount Carmel. Elijah then came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping with two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. People did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets number 450. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is indeed God. All the people answered, well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, 
Choose for yourselves one bowl and prepare it first, for you are many. Then call on the name of your God, but put no fire to it. So they took the bowl that was given them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, crying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no answer. They limped about the altar as they, that they had made, and at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry loud! Surely he is a god. Either he is meditating, or he has wandered away, or perhaps he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, and as their, was their custom, they cut themselves with swords and lances until the blood gushed out all over them. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice, no answer, no response. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come closer to me. And all the people came closer to him. First he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Then he made a trench around the altar, large enough to contain two measures of seed. Next, he put the wood in order. He cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. He said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And again he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So that the water ran all around the altar and filled the trench also with water. At the time of the offering of the oblation, the prophet Elijah came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your bidding. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it even licked up all the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord indeed is God. The Lord indeed is God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From the Gospel according to St. Luke. Chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Jesus heals a centurion's servant. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him 
asking him to come and heal his slave. And when they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people. And it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them, but when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Of all the prophets, I love Elijah the most. Because Elijah... For me, as a young person as well as an older person, really likes to deal with the real issues of life in ways that the other prophets, I feel, only speak to. Elijah usually does something about them. And this incident in 1 Kings is one of them. I love the way he says, put, it on, put water on it a second time. Put water on it a third time. I mean, come on, taunting these poor people. I mean, their God hasn't answered, and now we're going to wet down the whole altar? Oh, man, what a challenge. But you have to remember something about Elijah. Elijah's doing this with very little support, all by himself, he says. The school, the prophetic school that surrounded Elijah is gone. In this text, he's very clear and says, it is me against the world. In that challenge, God answers and demonstrates God's sovereignty in a way that is dramatic, awesome, and fulfilling, not only for the people of Israel, but for Elijah. Now, there are many times in our history when bad things happen in our country and we have to deal with uh, televangelists and other Christian spokesmen going on and on about how these tragedies and these terrible uh, geological or meteorological disasters are judgments of God for whatever. Whether it's... Uh, allowing homosexuals to live, or uh, whether it's uh, permitting abortions or whatever. And there is perhaps uh, a sense in which all of us as Americans wonder sometimes why these things happen, and we have to struggle with that. But what is important about Elijah's lesson that we need to remember in whatever moment our faith is tested 
is like what Hildebert of Laverdine in the 11th century wrote. God is over all things. God is under all things, outside all things, within, but not boxed in, without, but not excluded, above, but not raised up, below, but not held down, holy above and presiding, holy beneath and sustaining, holy without, yet embracing, holy within, filling and fulfilling. We can never talk about God behind God's back. We cannot speak of God in God's absence. The God who is being discussed wherever, in whatever moment, is also there. The attitude that people take to God can never be merely theoretical. To deny God is to spite God to God's face. The reality of this God is something that you and I need to be reminded of over and over again. As I sat this week pondering how this passage affected me and my own life, I thought perhaps it might be an interesting task this morning to give you opportunity to participate in this text from 1 Kings. I was wondering if there's ever been a time in any of your lives when you felt that circumstances were beyond your control and you saw the hand of God solve the problem or come to you in the midst of the problem or give you relief from the pain or the weight of the problem. I'd like you to take opportunity to share, if you would, a moment like that in your life. Is anyone willing to do that? Yeah. James is saying that he's, he's absolutely shocked because his sermon is the same exact sermon that I'm preaching now, and he's trying to figure out how I knew that I was going to preach his sermon. It's important. It's really important for us as a congregation to know that in the midst of all the stuff that we do and all the stuff that we are to the community, et cetera, et cetera, that as a community, God is still active in our lives. God is still seriously doing stuff to demonstrate in a real way that we are God's people and God is still God. Now, I could, I could preach that for... for week after week after week, but I can guarantee you that you would never remember a word of those sermons if there weren't real incidents in your own life, like you've shared this morning, that demonstrated that. And that, you see, is why I love Elijah. Because Elijah understood that. He understood that if he didn't provide these people with one dynamite experience of God's presence, they weren't going to be convinced And that is so important for us to remember. This generation of men and women, young people from the ages of 30 and younger, are looking for a church, a community of faith, a Christian community where people experience God. They don't just talk about God. They don't just pray to God. 
They don't just read about God. They see God in their lives, and they rejoice about it. They're happy about it. They're excited about it, and they're touched by it and changed by it. That's who we are. That's who we need to be if we are the body of Christ. The New Testament lesson today is a wonderful conclusion to this story. The centurion sends someone, the Jewish elders, to get Jesus to come heal his slave. And when Jesus is almost there, he says, no, 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 I'm not worthy for you to come. Just speak the word and it'll happen. And Jesus says to the people, I have never seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. Why? Because the centurion was willing to say that one word from the lips of Jesus would make it happen. My question to us today, in our lives, right now, in, in whatever struggles we're in, is the word of God enough? Is the word of God enough to trust? Is one word spoken by Jesus enough to make the difference? Let's pray. Almighty God, we rejoice today that the word you have spoken is not just verbal to us, but also tangible. That in the table we are about to come to to be fed, you give us physical proof of your word and your promise to us. We are so grateful. Grateful that you would know us and understand who we are because you were like us and are like us and will always be like us. For this we are grateful. Amen. We come to our worship with hands and hearts needing God and God's presence, and we give now to God of that abundant grace which has fed us, which has inspired us, which has lifted us from our dreary lives into the presence of the Almighty and ask that our gifts, our tithes and offerings be used to the glory of Christ, our Lord. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper which we are about to celebrate is a feast of remembrance, of communion, and of hope. We come in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent of the Father into the world to assume our flesh and blood and to fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law, even to the bitter and shameful death on the cross. By his death, resurrection, and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken by him. We come to have communion with this same Christ who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread, bread that strengthens us unto life eternal. And in the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. We come also in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and a foretaste of the feast of love of which we shall partake when his kingdom has fully come. With, when with unveiled face we shall behold him made like unto him in his glory. Since by his death, resurrection, and ascension, Christ has obtained for us the life-giving spirit who unites us all in one body, so are we to receive this supper in true love, mindful of the communion of saints.
All who are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and who have expressed their love for Jesus within the fellowship of the church, are welcome at this table. Come, for all things are now ready. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Holy and right it is, and our joyful duty to give thanks to you at all times and in all places, O Lord, our Creator, almighty and everlasting God. You created heaven with all its hosts and the earth with all its plenty. You have given us life and being and preserve us by your providence. But you have shown us the fullness of your love in sending into the world your Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal Word, made flesh for us and for our salvation. For the precious gift of this mighty Savior, who has reconciled us to you, we praise and bless you, O God. With your whole church on earth and with all the company of heaven, we worship and adore your glorious name. Most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world. In the joy of his resurrection and in expectation of his coming again, we offer ourselves to you as the holy and living sacrifices. Together we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Grant that being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things into Christ our Lord. And as this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf and these grapes from many hills into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, the same night he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup. When they had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take and drink it unto the salvation of your soul. Please join me in the inside rear cover of the green hymnal for the thanksgiving after Holy Communion. Brothers and sisters, since the Lord has now fed us at his table, let us praise God's holy name with heartfelt thanksgiving. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, so do anger. 
abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. Who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, and who will also give us all things with him. Therefore shall my mouth show forth the praise of the Lord, from this time forth forevermore. Let us pray. We thank and praise you, O Lord, that you have fed us at your table, grateful for your gifts and mindful of the communion of your saints. We offer to you the prayers of our people. God of compassion, we remember before you today the poor and the afflicted, the sick and the dying, the grieving prisoners and all who are lonely, victims of war, injustice, and inhumanity, and all others who suffer from whatever their sufferings may be called. We pray this morning, O Lord, that you look upon your church in its struggle upon the earth, have mercy on its weakness, bring to an end its unhappy divisions, and scatter its fears. And look also upon the ministry of this, your church. Increase its courage, strengthen its faith, and inspire its witness to all people, even to the ends of the earth. Hear, O Lord, the silent prayers that we bring to you now. Author of grace and God of love, send your Holy Spirit's blessing to your children here present and keep our hearts and thoughts in Jesus Christ, your Son, our only Savior, who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We invite you to join us immediately after our service today for fellowship in the Bellhauer Parlor. And now we close with hymn number 284 in the Green Hymnal. Out of the tumult of this world, we came this morning seeking God's peace, and we have experienced that peace in God's presence. And now we go out into the world to give that peace away. As we do so, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now until Christ returns in glory, and then forever, and all God's people said, Amen.